Fire shared very little about Isaac himself, but more about the death of his father and the birth of his two sons. Even though Isaac lived longer than both his father and his brother. So it seemed up to this point, Isaac had lived a pretty much quiet, reserved life. Why? How, how can you live a quiet age or something? Quiet and reserved life. Well, he did inherit all of his father's wealth, right? Being the son of promise. Now, in verse, in chapter 27, not much else will be written about Isaac. They'll be more focused on Jacob, on the Esau, but more Jacob. So what this chapter will do, chapter 26, it will reinforce the validity of Isaac as the seed son over against the other seven brothers that was given, right? Three mothers. What we're going to notice in this chapter is that Isaac will experience almost the identical circumstances that his father went through. So in chapter 25, there was no identical twins, but in 26, we're going to have identical experiences. You ever heard of the phrase, like father, like son? Yeah. Sins are carried from the father to the son. So we talk about the generational gap, right? Oh, there's a generational gap between my mom, my dad, my mom, and me. There's this, you know, they're like 50 songs, they're like 60 something, 90, like Michael Jackson, just being honest. But there's a generational gap, but as far as sin is concerned, there is no gap. Sin is transferred from the sperm of the seed. The seed of man is how the, the uh, sin is passed. So the son makes the very mistakes that his father did. But what's going to stop him from actually accomplishing all of the same things is that Adonai intervenes on his behalf. For the patriarchs, Yehovah intervenes even for us today. He intervenes in our lives. I know I know my niece just came in from Las Cruces, New Mexico, and the Lord she turned her life to Jesus, and and He's He's blessing her over and above anyone can measure. Yeah, I mean this unreal free schooling, private school next year all free. Well, I didn't want it to go to public schools because they said if we say you can public school, that's like almost not liking them, right? So the, our Father in Heaven is taking care of His own. So what I had done when I was young, I seen all of my dad and the things that I didn't like about him. I took his best qualities and I tried to weave them into my own life as an unbeliever. But that was still, I still was feeling wanting still wasn't enough. Only when Yeshua intervened in my life, then I had a true standard of characteristics that I ought to display. So Genesis 26, uh, 1 through 6, we're going to look at. We're starting verse 1. It says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So many years had passed, and Isaac living a rather blessed, uneventful life up to now, maybe with some exceptions. Uh, remember that experience on Mount Moriah, where they actually were carrying all these sticks and going at it. Hey, 
No, there's the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. So that was the only thing he saw, and then just recently, the birth of his two sons finding over the birthright. So basically, he's led a peaceful and comfortable life up to this point. But now a trial is going to hit. Bar trials for Trials come to test our faith and to take us to the next level of maturity. Well, according to scripture, we will experience trials and tribulations, right? That's, not, that's the truth. Now, there are like three periods of a trial. We're either entering one, experiencing the height of one, or we're exiting one. Now, if we're not experiencing any one of those stages, then someone we know, or something <coughs> that we've seen on television, like, you heard about that lady, she went to check a Craigslisting and, and cut her baby out. She went to get diapers or something and they ended up taking out her baby. So we see these things and those things bring us pain or sorrow or stress. But those things still are there to advance us in our maturity in the Lord. If we use it to learn from and somehow give glory to the Almighty. So even if us who are children of the Lord, children of promise, children who have been inherited... We must go through trials also to prove our faith. So it said, famine came upon the land just like the one his dad had experienced a hundred years earlier in Genesis 12.10. And I think now it was starting to affect um, Isaac's flocks and herds. Now when, when trials come, We'll see two different um, approaches or two different responses to this particular trial of a famine. His dad's response was that he left the promised land for Egypt of Mitzrayim, even though Adonai already had shown him that Canaan or Canaan was to be where he was to dwell. What, why, why would the Lord tell him to stay in the land? What this did was endanger the lives of both him and Sarah. What he did was he gave Satan or Satan an opportunity to end that promised life with the possibility of Pharaoh killing Abraham and taking Sarah into his harem. Now remember in those days of kings who were known as adulterers, brought shame upon their dynasty, so they had some kind of moral uh, aptitude back then. They didn't want to commit adultery. On the other hand, being a murderer actually raised up their status and kept the people fearful of the rain and would help to keep the peace. So they did have some sordid morals and ethics. So what they would do is kill the husband, make the wife a widow, and either marry the wife or take her in as a concubine. So Abraham, in his flesh, many times jeopardized the continued outworking of that Abrahamic covenant that uh, Yehovah had made with him. We too, as believers, can hinder the Lord's work. And He's trying to do through us when our witness fails because we are operating in the flesh. 
I know all of you here don't operate in the flesh, so that's possible. Despite that, Jehovah was still true to his unilateral covenant that he made with Abraham. So the Lord said he will keep the covenant no matter what. He can be in the flesh and in the spirit. He can listen, not listen. The Lord will bring it to pass, that covenant. So even so, with us believers, when we repent, and then we again walk in the newness of life and in the spirit again, then we are able to bring glory to our Father in heaven, and we are restored and made right with him. Now we will see Isaac's response. Isaac says in verse 1b, Vayelet Itzhak el Abimelech, Melech, Pelishtim Gerar. So Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now this is not the same king that his father had interactions with, but it is the same kingdom. This is a title for the leader of this nation. Much like Caesar, right? Caesar was a Roman emperor's it was, a, it was a title of the leader for the Roman Emperor, just like uh, Kaiser. Kaiser is the same thing, right? Different language, but it's the same word. Caesar, Kaiser, so you go Kaiser Permanente, it's about king, the emperors, or a czar, yeah, the Romans would call it. So like Pharaoh in, uh, when they go to Egypt. So Moshe, in writing history, he says he went to King Abimelech, the king, it's Abimelech, Melech, <coughs> the king of the Philistines in Gerar. So Moshe is writing history, even though there were no Philistines in the land yet at this time. He's writing their future presence there in the land as factual, which is to come in history. Because he's seen history and he's known, he knows that they will be ending up dwelling in the land. So at the time of his writing, he's saying they're going to be in this land, so this is the Philistine land. Because they will definitely settle in Gerar. So Samuel, the prophet, wrote of Achish, or Achish, which was the personal name of one of the Philistine's kings. Which Psalm 34 says his name, his title was Abimelech, which was the title and not his personal name. So Gerar, so Gerar is right there. So they came up from Damascus, he came all the way down to Gerar. It's like all the way on the coast over there. And this is the exact same place that Abraham, his dad, had gone to in chapter 20. But at this point, Isaac remains within the promised land territory. So he had not yet left the borders of the land. But the implication when the Lord's going to speak next is that he was thinking of doing it. He was thinking of doing the exact same thing that his father probably told him. Oh man, one day, man, your mom and I, there's a family in Even though the Lord said to stay in the land, we ended up going to Egypt. Man, we almost got killed. But the good thing was when he came back out of the land, he came out with treasures. He, he came back with more wealth. So just as the famine had caused Abraham, his dad, to go to Egypt in chapter 12, Yitzhak, his son, was also thinking of heading to Egypt. So now we're going to have the 
pre-incarnate appearance of Yeshua, followed by a special auditory revelation to Isaac. Adonai will intervene and appear to Isaac first, and then he will speak audibly to Isaac for the first time. Uh, previously, in the previous chapter, he had just spoken audibly to Rebekah before the twins were born. Verse 2 says, The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Mitzrayim, to Egypt. So just like his dad, but the Lord is implying that Isaac was entertaining the idea of going on past Gerar, you got that out of picture, leaving the promised land into the non-promised land. So that is uh, Abraham's journey from the Ur and he went to Aran. That's actually where the, um, Isaac found his wife, Rivka in Padan Aram up there, the plateau lands. So they're in Canaan, and you see right where he heads towards Egypt? That's Gerar. So he was thinking of making a beeline towards Egypt, just like his father did, and taking to the non-promised land. What does this show? This shows that even back then, Adonai could read the heart and minds of men. Right? You see that in the Gospels. He reads the minds, what the men are thinking in their heart. Finishing up verse 2, it says, Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. So which land is this? He's saying, this land is your land. This land is my land. From the northern borders of Damascus to the southern shared border of Egypt. I used to like this song. I used to sing all those patriotic songs when we were young. Nowadays, the kids don't even know those songs. Man. And that's what built our patriotism was those songs being ingrained in our mind and in our hearts, right? And you hear the Star Spangled Banner, or all those songs, and the allegiance we have to this country. So verse three, it says, sojourn in this land, Canaan. So, and, and now Adonai will give the promise to him and his descendants, just as he did to his father, and he says, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your zalacha. Zalacha is to your seed. And it's singular, to your seed. From the Hebrew, zelah. So his seed implanted during a relation with Rivka will keep on going. The Greek word for this zelah, the Greek word is sperma. So that sperma or that zera, that seed that with that is within Isaac will be transferred into Rivka and will be coming into to make uh, Yaakov and Esau. So his immediate offspring, he says, I will give all these lands. So it's plural use. You know why I said lands? Not the promised land, but lands, because at the time 10 areas of the promised land was inhabited by different Canaanite um, groups. So Isaac was not allowed to leave the land to get a bride. And now in famine time, he was not to leave the land to get help. What does Egypt represent? And we all know what Egypt represents, right? Sin and the world, blah, blah, blah. And as a result, 
Yehovah could not bless him in that place. So if he did not repeat the same mistake as Abraham and live in the land of Adonai had told him to live, he would be blessed beyond measure. The second half of verse 3 says, And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Verse 4, I will multiply your zalacha, your seed. The DNA that was deposited will be will persevere and maintain its strength and prosper just as the stars of heaven and will give Zaha your seed all of these lands and by your Zaha this seed will be used think about this now this is my mind was blown of studying the scriptures this seed will provide the seed for the Messiah which all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So think about this. The seed that Isaac had will be used ultimately to fertilize the aid that will eventually bring forth the one who will bless the world. The last of the promised lineage, the promised Messiah. Okay? With that, with that answer, it raises a perplexing question. How can that happen? So the other week, we looked at the two genealogies of the Messiah, which was found in the book of Matthew and Luke. What were the highlights of them? So Luke, what we saw, what we learned was, it was from Miriam's vantage point. So from his wife Mary, in Luke 3.38, it says, then Enosh, then Seth, then Adam, then Elohim. So the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The God-man is the clue to the answer that we need. Yeshua, he was a human man, right? He put on his human flesh. And you know what? He is still human. He is sitting at the right hand, not on the right hand, at the right hand of the Father in heaven, where his origins is. And he was Elohim, according to that. And he is still Elohim in the flesh, soon again to be Immanuel Elohim, or Elohim with us. One day he's going to be Elohim with us. So what Luke's genealogy did, what it started from Yeshua and worked its way back. And it goes back to Joseph, Yosef, to the wholeness of the predecessor. And then it ends with Adam and then Elohim. So remember Joseph's name? How did we know that that was uh, Mary's genealogy without having a woman's name in there? Joseph's name had the definite article before it. So it would be like the Michael, the Travis. <coughs> but when you read the scroll, it would be Joseph. It wouldn't be the Joseph. So with that little definite article, the reader automatically knows oh, this is his wife's genealogy. And what he did was Luke didn't skip any names. He didn't add any woman's name because that was not the 
Jewish thought. Now, Matthew, on the other hand, was Joseph's perspective. Matthew 1 1 says, Yeshua HaMashiach ben David ben Abraham. He says, The scroll of the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we find that in Matthew's one, we can find that he was a king and he was a Jew. What else did we learn? You got that on the picture? We learned that Matthew broke up his genealogy into three sets of 14. So there's three sets from Abraham to David, David to the captivity, and the captivity to Yeshua. And then we said, why three sets of 14? Why not do the whole thing? You have that next picture? So in the heat, this is my little iPad action. So in the Hebrew, every every uh, letter has a numerical value. So David's name is Dalit Bab Dalit. So DVD, that's the original DVD. So there's Dalit is the fourth letter, six and four. So four plus six plus four equals 14. So in Matthew's mind, he was speaking to the Jewish audience within the land. And he wanted to drive home that Yeshua is the Messiah. So in order to have that 14 um, simulation, he had to skip names. But another thing he did was he added names. He added names of women who somehow had dealings in sexual sins with either personally or through you know, families. So there was It was uh, Ruth, the Moabite. Was Ruth in any sexual sin? So why did she there? What happened? That was Lot and his daughter to incest. The Moabites came along, right? And we found out, you know the word Moab? What does that mean? In Hebrew, Moab. Of the father. That means from father. Moab, from father. To say, wow, that's pretty safe spot. Come here, from Father. <laughs> Weird. And then we found out that the Messiah could only come through one son of David. So David breaks two lines. We had Nathan and Solomon. So he couldn't come to the Solomonic line. So we have only a Solomon. And Nathan, they, they make these two separate um, lines. So according to the scriptures, Jetaniah or Koniah, Koniah's line was cursed. So there is no way that the Messiah could come through Solomon, through Jeconiah, through Joseph, and become the Messiah. So even through adoption, Joseph's line was cut. It has no meaning, but just to show that Mary's line was the true line. So how did Matthew deal with the cursed line of Jeconiah? Right after his genealogy, he goes straight into the virgin birth. Okay, the virgin birth is Matthew's answer to the curse of Joseph's line, the virgin birth. So 
So I always talk about the sea, the lineage, generations. In fact, why even bother, right? I mean, this seed, not going to even be the seed because it'll be a virgin birth. Why even bother? So Matthew proved that Yeshua was a human king and a human with the Jewish nationality. So his genealogical record proved Yeshua's humanity, his physical being, but it also proved that he came down through a specific seed, a specific bloodline that was written about and prophesied. So we can track the line all the way from Adam to David, all the way to Natal to Miriam. And then we have Yeshua. What does Zerah prove? The seed proves his godhood, his deity. How is that? The more I read the scriptures, the more questions I had to answer from Octavian. What? So Abraham had the seed, right? And his seed went to Isaac, and that seed produced Yahweh, and so forth. <clears throat> so where did Abraham get his seed from? It traces all the way back to who? Adam. Yeah? Adam. The first man. Where did Adam get his head off from? Yehovah. Yehovah made the Zerah by his deity. He made his Zerah in his image, in his divine essence as a creator, in his likeness, in his royalty, in his chosen nationality, and chosen part of creation, which wasn't animal or bird or anything. The chosen part of creation that he wanted to bring forth was humanity. What Yehovah is saying is, either way you slice that zelah, don't miss this. You know what he said? Ehiyeh asher ehiyeh. The Lord said, I am that I am. That's not Papa, that's the Lord. That's straight from the Lord's mouth. I am that I am. So from the beginning, when this zelah was placed into a town, the Lord already had all this pre-programmed lineage in that thing. But does that like blow your mind? I mean, my mind was blown up. Why, why give all the genealogy that seed not going to even need that seed? Right? The seed has no meaning. Because it surpasses, it bypasses that. And that's how Matthew could overcome that curse of Kodaya. What did Yeshua say? Yeshua said, everything written of the vial of the scriptures is about me. Everything leads right back to Yehovah, our creator. From the beginning of time till now, he is still in the affairs of men. So as far as the virgin birth, the possibility is uh, 10 billion but like, it will happen one to one. That's how like unreal it is. The Lord said it will be. He made us in His image, so He could assume humanity. He could put on this flesh. He couldn't become a doll or an ant or anything. He only could become a human because we are in His image. So for me, I was like, wow, we just studied the genealogy. Look at all this. 
Does it matter? <laughs> you put the seed, the seed came on it. You put that same seed, you're going to put them in uh, Mary. And Mary's aid with the, the Zerah that the one had put in Adam. You ever heard of the second Adam? Does that second Adam mean anything more now than you see? The first Adam had the Zerah. The second Adam was made out of the same Zerah. Hey, Zerah, Zerah. <laughs> she just died. Is that her? Yes, of course. Yeah. That was her, yeah. Oh, Alcohol, right? She just passed away. Okay, so verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed me and he kept my charge, my mitzvot, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Yehovah had not forgotten his promises. That he had made with Abraham face to face, and in fact, it was again unilateral. The Lord said, I will do it, I will make it happen. So, yes, the descendants of Abraham will be blessed because of him, but they will also have to exhibit faith and obedience in order to enjoy those promised blessings. Yeah, I mean, we can go and carry on however we want, do drugs, and da da da, but we're not going to be able to enjoy vastly his blessings. Yeah? So why not walk strong in the Lord? Why not be uh, living abundantly by trusting in him? Not only are Abraham's promises repeated here for Yitzhak, but they were also expanded and enhanced. And we will see maybe next week. But as unthinkable as it is, as we will see, and surely knowing what had happened to his father, I mean, he's 69. His memory probably had grown dim. He ended up falling into the very same particular sin. Not the sin of leaving Egypt, but there's another sin that he would break with other mind. And we'll see that next week, the lie of the Father. So what do we do with this <coughs> pertinent information concerning our faith? Just like Isaac, his father had told him all the problems he had, all the problems and troubles he put um, his mom and himself through. Learn from the past mistakes. But if you don't, if you disregard, what's going to happen? You're going to end up failing and falling again for the same deception. And that's what we're going to see happen shortly next week and then he goes on to say this is one point that Isaac did up to this point is he obeyed the Lord so Isaac lived in Gerar he listened praise the Lord he learned from the first time when his father went in the Lord told him not to go he almost got killed but Isaac is smart in fact Isaac in his whole life never left the promised land he remained there. Everybody else in cruising all over the place. Only Isaac, because of what his dad told him, the troubles he went through, he remained in the land. Which is smart. He was smart. He stayed in the land, but he didn't only stay with his people. So just like us, we stay in Hawaii, we go to church. We shouldn't only stay in the church. We are charged to go out and make disciples. We are charged to do that. So today, 
I gave my friend a power early. So he goes, hey, let's go check out Guitar Center. There's a new Guitar Center, yeah, by uh, Highlands. Brand new, they just uh, had the grand opening last Friday. My cousin left early, that's your butt too. <laughs> I'm not showing you under the bus, but I just say it was just a call for you then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He left after we ate. I wanted to go, but we ended up leaving at 11 something. So we went there, my friend was just, he just was fussing around. I actually bought this, this little table. So now, I don't need one music stand. When I go out, I can just take my microphone stand. You know, so I bought that, it was 20 bucks. So then you're talking uh, talking stories, and we end up with one of the sales girls. And then someone come out and tell, oh, you go to church anywhere? I said, oh, that's a hard one. I said, oh, my God. I said, oh, I grew up Jehovah's Witness. I said, oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's hard, man. My mom, you know, my mom is in there. I said, what about you? You still go? She goes, no, I don't go. I said, oh, good. <laughs> I shared with her that I grew up, you know, I told her that, oh, we were uh, Salvation Army, uh, and then I guess the pastor fooled around with the uh, secretary. That never happens, right? That's probably the first time that happened in all of church history. So we stopped going, and then the Jehovah Witnesses, of course, came to our house, and we started doing that. You know, I knew the love of the Lord when I was four years old. I didn't accept the law, but somehow I knew. So when we started studying that, you know, like, oh, it's so dead. Like, there's no life in that, in that study. So I ended up telling her just one parting shot is, well, the founder of Jehovah's Witness, Charles Taze Russell, he taught in the finished history that Apollyon in Revelations 9-11 is Satan himself. And I told her, in Hebrew, Abaddon is a demonic entity, the king of the underworld. And Apollyon is the Greek. In the Greeks, they believe also that's a demonic entity. But as of 1995, the Jehovah's Witness organization said that this is now none other than Jesus Christ. And she's like, what? I go, yeah. So their Jesus is actually Satan himself. And they, they came out and they showed it right there. So just check Google Apollyon. We'll come up Abaddon, Apollyon, you know, King of the Abyss, the King of the Darkness, and Pitch. But I saw her pain. I mean, a lot, like, wow. And she, you know, I was a lot of high school, just ended up being, you know, lesbian, and all that. And she's out of that now. I said, well, you know, I got baptized. I said, you know what? You didn't get baptized in Jesus' name because I see my nieces get baptized. They have a totally different, you know, verbiage for baptism. So I said, you know what? Your baptism is fake. It's not biblical. But so, and then I gave her the gospel. If you believe this about Jesus, you can forgive you, give her a body line. So tomorrow, me and my friend might go over there and give her some material. Pray for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe you can go because. Yeah, her name is uh, Celine. So on her name tag, they put Celine Dion, but her name is just Celine. <laughs> but then the, the guy said, Dita Senna just write their names. And the guy, another guy, Dave, was Super Dave. <laughs> okay. I prefer a Celine 
value. You know, I saw no more like, because it's a mind game, man. So for me, too, I was like, oh, mind game to the max. So I told her, you know what? That's why I have to study Greek and Hebrew because, man, these young witnesses who tell me this is in the Greek and that says in the Hebrew. Like, she how would I know? Now I know, you know what I mean? I can, I can actually read them. Good stuff, man. All that to say, God has us in his hand, but don't stay in the fold. Be one effective Christian. Win souls. Because he said, he who is wise, win souls. Anybody won a soul last year to the world? Okay. Everybody be one a year. Yeah. I mean, that should be our challenge because the message we have is the best message you can tell anybody. Better than who's leading in the NBA championships or you know, whatever. Anything. The message we have is a gift from God. And if you believe that message can save somebody and take them from death unto life and put them in the heavenlies, then say something. If you don't, say nothing. Remain ineffective. <laughs> build up your courage. How do you build courage? By studying yourself approved. Yeah. Apologetics, they say, is long gone. No, apologetics is going to help you um, garner that faith, right? And it'll give you um, arrows in your uh, in your quiver. Oh, Jehovah Witness, oh, this, this, uh, oh, Mormons, oh, this, uh, oh, Hawaiian, uh, oh, multiple, oh, God, I got that one. So study yourself approved. It means something. But you guys got to go out there and have that vigor and that love for people that God has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it all boils down to Yeshua. I mean, your detailed plan is awesome. But sometimes we miss the Zena. The first Adam, the second Adam. Because you placed the Zena in you. So we thank you for your amazing love towards us. We who, while you died for us, Lord, we were still sinners, hating on you, hating goodness, hating righteousness, Lord. Going our own way, Lord. Walking down that wide path of destruction. But glory be to God for placing us on that narrow road which leads to salvation and life. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but Yeshua. 